Thanks for joining us for the weekend edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Each Friday and Saturday here on In Spirit and Truth, Pastor J.D. gives a Mideast prophecy update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. As Pastor J.D. addresses in today's message, the recent highly publicized renunciations of faith by some well-known figures within the church are an incredibly sad reflection of a broader movement amongst many who have been raised in Christianity. Many churches have encouraged this shaky faith by neglecting to stand fast to the Word of God. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update on YouTube. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on August 25th, 2019. I actually had a Prophecy Update all prepared for today. And yesterday, I just, I scrapped it. And I did that because I sensed that the Lord would have me to address a prophecy that's in the Bible concerning the condition of the church in the last days. I probably should preface this by just letting you know that it is probably going to be one of the hardest prophecy updates I've ever given. I'm sure you've heard of the well-known Christian leaders, famous Christian leaders. These are authors, worship leaders, who recently and very publicly have, in effect, renounced their faith. On Wednesday, the Washington Examiner published a well-written article by Jenna Ellis Rives titled, Famous Christian Departees Have Lost Their Sense of Truth. Listen to some of what she wrote. The evangelical world has been rocked with the recent news of several prominent Christians who are suddenly and very publicly abandoning their faith. Marty Sampson, a Christian music artist, wrote that he believes Christianity is, and I quote, just another religion. Weeks earlier, Joshua Harris, known for his books on dating and sexual purity, posted on Instagram that he had undergone a, quote, massive shift in regard to my faith, and he declared that he is no longer a Christian. She goes on to note the irony of all of this, saying, It's interesting that after renouncing their faith, each of these public declarations ends with a distinctly Christian ethic. 
Samson wrote, love and forgive? Absolutely. Be kind? Absolutely. Be generous and do good to others? Absolutely. Some things are good no matter what you believe. Harris said he feels hopeful. How can we know what it means to love, forgive, do good, and what do we have hope in without a truthful standard and measurable definition? What? Well, I've appreciated the commentaries and the blogs and the posts on social media from well-respected Christian leaders that have taken and tackled this topic. As you might imagine, there's much in the way of discussion and speculation as to whether or not these famous Christians were ever true Christians to begin with. God knows the heart. We only look at the outward appearance. You have to understand that these two individuals in particular, I'm not familiar with them. I've heard about them. I know one, I guess, was a very uh, well-known and famous uh, singer and worship leader. Uh, the other, a, a an author. And uh, these were very well-known people that are now saying that they don't know what to believe, and they really don't believe that Christianity is any different than any other religion. What if I told you that this is just the beginning, and it's going to get worse? What if I told you that we're told, it's prophesied in the Word of God, that this is exactly what's going to happen at the time of the end? Not only are we told that this will happen, we're also told why this will happen. And that's what I want to spend the remainder of our prophecy update talking about today. I think it is the clarion call for the church today, in these last days. If you'll kindly hear me out, I would like to invite you to join me in 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter. I want to read verses 1 through 4. The Apostle Paul is writing to this pastor. His name is Timothy. He's a pastor of a church. This is to the church, by the way. He says, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of His appearing, can't wait, and His kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. You want to know why? Verse 3 tells us why. For the time will come. The time is now. That time has come. The time has come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. They will not put up with the preaching of the Word. 
They will not put up with a pastor who will teach the Word of God, correct, rebuke, and encourage, and preach the Word of God. They won't put up with it. You know what they're going to do instead? To suit their own desires. I don't want to go to a church like that. They will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. I hope you know that I don't want to seem like I'm being harsh in any way. It's heartbreaking, really. Because the church in America today has replaced the Word of God and prayer with that which suits their own desires. That's why you can go into a large church, I mean huge church, and you can sit in that church, and you're not hearing the Bible taught. There's a difference between teaching the Word and talking about the Word. Oh, they'll hold it up. They'll refer to it. Do you know why these guys are renouncing their faith? You know why they're having doubts? You know why? It's because kids, these young children, when they get into college, certainly, but even as Chris mentioned earlier, and the teacher starts talking about the earth being millions of years old, and that poor kid doesn't know why he believes or why she believes what they believe. My son, Levi, he's uh, in his second year now in college, told me that his, uh, this was last year's first day at class, the professor made it very clear where he stood concerning Christianity. I think it's uh, heartbreaking because It's not just our children, but it's us too. I made the comment, I think it was on Thursday night. I I really don't know how we're going to be able to make it in the days ahead without the Word of God and prayer. You know, it's, it's, um, it's not if, it's when. When life happens, when adversity strikes, when that diagnosis comes in, you had better be grounded in the Word of God or you're not going to make it. The house is going to come crashing down because it was not built on the foundation of God's Word. These pastors are going to have to give an account one day when they're standing before God. There are people in their church that are going through unthinkable trials and painful difficulties. And the last thing they need is a three-point sermon and a conclusion. You got people in the church, their their kid just killed himself. You want to have a three-point sermon and a conclusion? You want to bring somebody up here that's cool? You want to be hip? I'm sorry. I have to ask the Lord and before the Lord myself, God, please. I mean, I know what some of you are going through in your lives. We just had a, a brother here. He lives in Arizona. He works here. and 
shared at our prayer meeting this morning, six-year-old son, brain tumor, autism, removed 90% of it. We're praying for him, six-year-old son. When our daughter Noelle died, let me tell you something, had it not been for my wife and I being grounded in the Word of God, we would have never made it through that. We'd have never made it through that. The Word of God in prayer, it's so simple. The Word of God in prayer. You know, I listen to other preachers. I, and, I, and I hear most of them online. I hear them talk about how difficult it is to get people to come to a prayer meeting in their church. I <laughs> think, why would it be so hard to have people come to a prayer meeting? I better move on here. In Luke's Gospel, the 18th chapter, Jesus teaches His disciples a parable. And the point of the parable is to show them that they should always pray and not give up. It's affectionately known as the parable of the persistent widow. And she finally receives the justice she was due because she just would not give up. And you know what's stunning? is what Jesus says after teaching this parable in verse 8. He says, I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly, speaking of the ultimate judge, God. And then he says this, however, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? You know what the ultimate expression of faith is? Prayer. You know that it's impossible to please God without faith? It is so pleasing to God. When we pray, it is so pleasing to God that He takes our prayers and He puts them in a bowl before the throne. And they're fragrant. (laughs) And He hears every one of them. And He hearkens unto the voice of the cry of His people. And we're not going to pray. We have a God that we have unfettered access to, who says to us, I will give you anything you ask in my name. If it brings glory to the Father, I will give it to you. Just ask. You have not because you ask not. You know, we have people ask us to pray for them. Their children are living a homosexual lifestyle. They're addicted to drugs. They're addicted to opioids. They're, they're homeless. They're on the streets. They're dying. We want to entertain in the church. In Revelation chapter 3, forgive the emotion, please. We have this letter. There's seven letters in Revelation chapters 2 and 3 to seven churches. These were actual churches. And in verses 7 through 13, we have this letter that was written that Jesus had John write to the church in Philadelphia. And in verse 8, he commends them. He says, I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Oh, please, Lord. 
When that trumpet sounds and we're caught up, the dead in Christ first, we who are alive. I want it to be said of us, you didn't give up. You kept my word. Your pastor kept preaching the word. And by the way, maybe it goes without saying, but as long as I have breath, as God allows me to my last day, I'm going to preach the word. I'm going to preach the word of God. How can you deny the word of God? How can you replace the word of God? In verse 10 he says, Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. This is the seven year tribulation. Do you know what's coming? Do you know what's coming? Hold on. And then he says this at the end in verse 13. This is how he ends all of the letters. He says, whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. I was sharing with the prayer meeting this morning, Hebrews Chapter 4, verse 2, James talks about, don't just be hearer. I mean, this is rhetorical, right? He who has an ear, I I have two. Be a hearer of the word, but why is it that, I mean, this is a worship leader that says, I'm I'm not a Christian anymore. (laughs) Was the worship leader in the service sitting under the teaching of God's word? He has an ear. He's not deaf. If he's a worship leader, he can't be deaf. So he had to be able to hear, right? Bear with me. Right? He has to be able to hear. So what happened? One of two things. Either he wasn't hearing the word being preached, or if he was hearing the word being preached, there was no effect because he's like James says, that man who looks at himself in the mirror and walks away and does nothing about it. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 4 verse 2 says, but the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. Best illustration I ever heard was this. You've got hydrogen and oxygen. They have to be mixed to create water. The hearing of the word has to be mixed with faith in order for there to be anything. In other words, we have to be a doer of that which we have ears to hear. I'll say it again, and again, I appreciate your patience with me. I had no idea I was going to get this emotional about it. You know, the writer of uh, Ecclesiastes, Solomon, talks about with much knowledge comes much sorrow. You know, sometimes I just think about, you know, you as you see where the world's going, and you see the struggles that people are having, and you know what's coming, I mean, it is a very grievous thing. It's an anguish, really. But I have to say it again, and I, this is why when 
I mentioned when our next prayer meeting is that I implore you to come to our prayer meeting. If there was ever a time to pray, it is now. I'm going to tell you, we have people that need prayer in this church. They need prayer. They need, you know, we we just got done talking about marriage in Colossians, right? I can preach my heart out week in, week out, but sometimes it just requires that we cry out to God. Our only hope is just to cry out to the Lord. Prayer and fasting. Fasting. Humbling yourself before God. Oh God, I need Thee. I need Thee. Every hour I need Thee. I just almost want to just pray right now. I just sense that the Lord would would have you to stand right now. We need to call on the Lord. For those of you, I just sense that if we don't end this service today by calling on the Lord, we've really missed the whole point. You know, I can prepare these prophecy updates. I can share the gospel at the end, the ABCs of salvation, which you have memorized by now. I can teach expositionally the Word of God. I can continue coming here every Sunday, as is my privilege to do. But there has to be a calling on the Lord. You might be here today and you're, you're got, hey, you know, Pastor, wow, this is, your emotions are making me very uncomfortable. You know, I, I do apologize for that. You might be at the top of your game right now. Praise the Lord for that. Enjoy it. Praise the Lord. Give Him the glory for it. I don't have any trials in my life right now. That's great. But you know what? You got brothers and sisters in Christ that could use some help right now. There are people in this church that could really use some prayer right now. Some people are hanging on by a thread. I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. Some people are hanging on by a thread. And what's the body of Christ supposed to do? You know what's really sad? Those that are hanging on by a thread, you you brought with you to church today this difficult, painful trial, this situation in your life, and it looks like this is how it ends. There's, you, you're becoming hopeless, giving in to despair, and you don't know what to do. But you can't tell anybody. They'll think less of you. Or worse yet, God forbid, they start gossiping about you or judging you. Maybe you just need to say, listen, I, I just need somebody just to Lay hands on me and just pray. Pray for me. God knows the situation. I I couldn't even begin to explain it to you. It's so complicated. (laughs) It's so complicated, God has to be in it. (laughs) And let's just take a few moments and, and let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of prayer. Lord, thank you that you hearken unto the voice of our cry. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for this special edition of In Spirit and Truth. 
with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kariohe. Now, it's so important that you hear the purpose behind these prophecy updates that Pastor J.D. shares. The purpose is to see people just like you come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. When you're right with the Lord, you'll be ready for the Lord and His soon return. You can do this by first admitting you're a sinner, that you've broken God's perfect law. Second, you need to confess that there's nothing you can do to fix this. You can't attend church enough, you can't pray enough or give enough money. There's nothing you can do to atone for your sins. Third, you must realize that there is someone who can. His name is Jesus Christ, and He is the Savior of the world. He gave His own life so that you wouldn't have to experience the penalty for your sins, which is death. Please, if you're listening today, receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior and escape the realities of the prophecies that are being fulfilled all around you. For more information about what it means to be born again into the kingdom of God, log on to InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and select the New Believers option. Again, that web address is InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Now, in the next edition of In Spirit and Truth, Pastor J.D. will be teaching through God's Word just like he does Monday through Thursday. And then don't forget to join us next Friday and Saturday for another timely prophecy update. Until then, may God bless you and keep you in his love.